excited. We're going to be wrapping up a series today called uh, Starting Point, and, and really the, the whole concept that we've been teasing out over the last number of weeks uh, is that everyone has a framework for faith. You downloaded that framework for faith somewhere along the season of your life, at some, some point of season, whether it was uh, through church growing up or maybe it was through a kid's house that you ate at a lot in their family prayed a little bit, but you kind of developed these little uh, phrases that, that really framed how you saw God. But the problem was that as soon as you hit adulthood, it kind of really fell apart, and the framework did not survive the rigors of what we know to be adulthood. And so what we said is we need, what we've been kind of talking about the last time, we said we need a new framework for faith. We need a framework that says, uh, that, that will allow us to move into um, every aspect of our life with this strong reality of, of faith and understanding of God. Um, and really that starting point for faith isn't a set of documents, but it, and it's not a group of people, but it actually is the person of Jesus. And so that's really uh, kind of something we've been teasing out about who is Jesus and, and how does he really relate with us in today's uh, sort of pluralistic, weird kind of 21st century culture. Uh, so it's been fun. Real fast before we jump into today's text is tonight's worship night. I'm really excited about and I just as a pastor, I just want to be your pastor for a second is that a lot of times, uh, for a second, like I'm not the other seconds, but I just want to, just, just this second, want to be your pastor um, today. Um, what we want to do is, is really, when it comes to the direction of our church, next three to five years, um, was, we have a lot of smart people that go to our church, and we can come up with ideas on how to do things. But really, we have to take all of our desires, all of our hopes, all of our dreams, all of our wishes for what church should be and what church could look like, and lay them at the foot of Jesus and say, God, just do something with us and shape that with us, change that in us, uh, to put those desires in us so that we can actually pursuing uh, the church that you want us to be, and ultimately only you can get the credit for it. And so you can't do that simply by saying, hey, this is yours. You simply do it through, you do it through prayer. And so as a church, we need to worship together and pray together as a way to say, God, this is yours. And so, man, I'd love for you to come out tonight. We have another couple more coming up in May and June. And so just something I really think would be important for us as we maneuver through that. So I'd love for you to do that. Hey, grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. Um, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1 today. Um, and it's, uh, I think, a fun text. Again, we put the Bibles on your seats so that you can know that I'm not making any of this up. I'm not sitting in my uh, office uh, just kind of thinking of cool things to say, but we're, we're studying a text together because it's, we believe that's through this text um, that we get to know Jesus more. And, uh, and so we want to do that together. Each and every Sunday, this is what we do. We kind of just study a bit of this text so that we can become more like the God that it talks about. Um, if this is your first time or you're newer, that, our, that Bible is our gift to you. I'll go ahead and take that with you. Um, okay, so... The, 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 uh, yeah, we're going to be page 983. Um, and if you want to, stick a finger in page three um, if you're an overachiever this morning. Come on, give me my overachievers. Come on now. All right. Woo. Just kidding. Um, the power of belief is distinctly human. Probably one of the most powerful things about being human is your ability to believe in something or someone. Believing is at the root of every good and evil thing that's happened in the world. Belief, in fact, Jesus at one point says that if your faith is strong enough, you can move mountains. And so belief at the core of that, at the, at the center of who we are, is this ability to believe. And so the question isn't about whether or not you believe, but who do you believe in or what do you believe in? 
And so if you think about it over the last century, the, the amount of mountains that have moved because of belief, things like human, uh, just things like uh, slavery has, has been eradicated, a, a diff- different piece of, of um, racism has been maneuvered through, evils that have been just, uh, just cast away simply because someone thought it was a good idea and believed in it enough to work and do everything that they could. But also there's bad things as well. If you think about it, the Holocaust was a product of a certain belief. Because believing is human. And so what you and who you believe in is really you're diving into the, the, the essence of what it's like to be created in the image of God. But, but how many know in order to believe in things, you, sometimes you need proof, don't you? Don't you just feel like, I'm just not blindly believing you, or this isn't blind faith, I'm not making the plunge simply because. And if, you're any, like, if you have a, a logic in your brain, you've, done, you've said that. Every one of us has said that at some point, in some case, at some time. But, but what I love about that is that God even thought of that. And there's this little passage saying, okay, okay, if you want to have faith, if you want to have belief in God, but I need some proof. How many have asked that question before? Oh, come on, you guys are so many. You're liars. I have a church of liars. <laughs> I'm praying for you tonight. I'm praying for you tonight. Every week I ask something where I need your hands raised, and none of you ever do it. So I'm just going to pray for your hearts tonight. Let's just take some time. Let's have an altar call right now. Man, there's some liars in church today. Of course, we've all asked that question. God, prove that you're real. Prove that you're real. I mean, I asked that question this week, right? Like, God, just do something that I can see that you're at work in the world, right? It's that, that's where, and this, but it really is, comes down to the starting point. Really, God said, I'm giving you proof. I gave you proof. How many know what that proof is? Acts 17, 31 says it. It says this, God has given us proof of this, that he's here, that he's working, that we are safe and secure in him but to everyone by raising Christ from the dead. See, see here's the deal. Jesus um, is not asking you just to believe that something is true. Christians don't believe in, just believe that something is true. They believe something happened. I, I just, we got to be on that stage today. We have to be on that point. The point of this entire thing, this entire series, the point of this entire New Testament, the point is not the fact that just something is true. It's not just a set of teachings that you can kind of meander with. You have to come to grips with a historical event, the history of the, the, of the resurrection of a man named Jesus. And you know it's true because it's literally today we got 2.3 billion people over the course of 2,000 years. It's, it's outlasted any empire that's ever been on the earth. You've got to do something with this idea of the resurrection. And it's a starting point of faith. And so uh, many of us, though, like when we start here and we believe in this, we begin to engage that it's not just simply, like this, this was such a powerful idea that even before the Bible existed in its form that we have it now, people believed that this was true. It wasn't simply like, hey, you know what, oh, someone wrote it in a book, and so we read it. That's one of, my, the, one of the core ideas of why I, like, why I chose to follow Jesus and chose to become a Christian, is because our book isn't simply a product of someone sitting down and writing the thoughts, and writing their experiences. This is a compilation of thousands of years of people's lives interacting with the God of the universe. And so when you look at this, you get, like, this is an interaction. Like, we got to do something with this stuff. 
And we don't believe simply because it's written in a book. We believe because we see people, uh, people that have, like, their lives have changed because of this thought. I can see, okay, look at this person over here. Look at this person over here. I'm not pointing at anyone specifically. They're like, don't, don't out me this morning, right? No, but like I, when I look at the world, like when I, and part of the privilege of, of kind of like when Connie and I are doing what we're doing each and every week is that we get to hear these stories. That you, you, you aren't just a group of people reading a book, but you're a group of people experiencing God. And that God is coming into our world and invading the way that we see the world, invading the way that we see life. And so we got to do something with that. Like you can't just say something, you can't just say something like that and be like, oh yeah, no big deal. We have to do something deep down inside. And so many of you over the last number of weeks have actually come up to me and said that. You said, okay, I'm like, there's all sorts of stuff happening inside of me for the first time. Like, I, like I'm, I'm like leaning in um, in a way that I never have. And how many remember that, that feeling when you first started to meet Jesus and you first started to grow in him and you're like, I just can't get enough of this. Like, I'm just like, uh, I just got to read it and, and I want to know more about who he is. And in Philippians chapter 1, this is what Paul is referencing when he writes this in, in verse 3, if you want to read along with me here. Verse 3 says, every time I think of you, I, gave, I, gave, I give thanks to my God. And this is, that verse is very much how Connie and I feel when we think about this church. It's just so thankful of all that God's doing at Community Covenant. He says, whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So what I love about this, so many of you have kind of referenced this kind of concept here. It's like there's something going on. And, and Paul's saying, I'm just, I'm, I'm confident that he who began that good work is actually going to complete it. But, but really, I, I, I want to put some language to what many of you feel when you begin to grow in Christ or if you are growing in Christ. See, this, this, this whole chapter, sometimes what Paul does, or really the Bible, any Jewish writer, what they do is they, when they say something, they don't just say it. Like us Western Americans, we just say it. We just say whatever we need to say, right? But, but Paul, a lot of times when he's writing, he's often nudging and winking at other things. Like, like if Paul, is that what you, do I think, are you saying what I think you're saying? And he's kind of writing with that sort of undertone when he's writing to the the church in Philippi. And he says this, he says, I'm certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished. So so where have you heard in the Bible before the phrases, the words, um, God, good work, finally finished? Where in the Bible, maybe we'll have a little Bible study moment here. Where in the Bible have you heard or where, what stories have you heard where it uses similar words? Creation, right? And I gave that to you because I had you stick your finger in Genesis 1 already. It's in creation. So something that Paul is talking about here in Philippians chapter 1 is referencing Genesis chapter 1. And they would have known this. They're, they're like good Jewish people. Like they just, they have this framework that God creates the world and, and he creates it good. And so he's hearing this. And so if you go to me to Genesis chapter 1, I want to tease this out in like two minutes. Have you ever heard a pastor actually say that and not lie? Let's try it. Genesis chapter 1. 
What might Paul be saying is this good work is being completed? So here we go, Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, right, here we go, like he who began a good work. In the beginning, God creates the heaven and the earth, the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the, the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water. So here we go. Right, right away, we have a God who is beginning something, right? And what is his work? His work is creating. His work is producing something that didn't exist before that now exists. So he's creating, and he's doing it by speaking, Right, so here we have this God that exists in Father, Son, and Spirit. It's all happening right here. So you have this community of, of self-giving love that simply is just sharing itself and creating the world. And what does he call the world? Go to verse uh, 4. He calls it? Good. Go to verse number 12. What does he call it? It's okay, yeah, good. Good, right? Go to verse number 18. What does he call it? This section here, because this section never talks. What does he call it? <laughs> Just kidding. I'm obviously having fun at 8.30 this morning. Verse 21, what does he call it? Good, yeah. You got, you got it. What is it. Verse 25, what does he call it? Good, okay. Go to verse number, uh, go to verse number 31. What does he call it? Oh, no, no. He doesn't call it good. He calls it very good. And so when you're reading Genesis chapter 1, it's this poem that's, that's kind of talking about the creation of the world. And he's saying, he's saying it's good. There's this refrain. It's like the chorus of a song. It's a beat. It's a rhythm. It's saying it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. God creates the world and he calls it good. And he says it's not only good, it's very good. And then verse, in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, so the creation of the heavens and the earth on everything in them was completed. And so go back with me to Philippians chapter 1. He says, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. And so in this, we have this movement. We got someone with some audio Bible over here. So in us is this movement, this creation this new idea that God is creating in you. And, he's, and it's this movement. So he takes this idea of creation, speaks it. Think about, the, think about God in this moment. He's like, he's like, all right, sun, bam. Sun, you can't even go near the sun without just melting. And he just like speaks it into creation. He says, okay, Rocky Mountains over here, massive, like you, you literally, every, like Mount Everest, you can't breathe when you get to the top. Like, like, Boom, done, spoken into creation. You move into all, all of the world, Nile River, massively long river, just boom, spoke it, and it's done. It's there. There's something happening. And then he says, Adam, I want you to be a part of this. I want you to be a part of this. Doesn't need to ask him that, but he says, I want you to be a part of this. And so he says, can you name the animals? And you're like, really, God, that's it? You just want me to name them? All right, great, it's fine. And he says things like, okay, okay, uh, okay this, is, this is a hippopotamus. I'm like, man, that's creative, Adam. My word, hippopotamus. All right, sweet. This is going to be a fun little time. And then he goes, all right, duck-billed platypus. I'm like, man, we're killing it, man. And so th th you have to think about this, like he's just participating in this awesome creation. It's like working in the midst of it. And finally, Adam goes, long day, he goes, pfft. You know, who's, who comes in here? Um, dog. <laughs> and God's like, wait, wait, that's just my name. Backward. Okay, are you tired? Are you tired? He says, all right, one more. Okay, okay. Comes in. Cat. Cat. He's like, God's like, I didn't create those. Why is that doing it? 
I'm just, I'm just kidding. All this little, all this little, I'm just going to get some hate mail today. Anyway, that was, just, that was just for fun. But you have all of this work happening, right? In the midst of these, it's creation is just power and energy and everything that exists within God. He's speaking into the world. And God, and Paul is saying, hey, you know, there's something about that type of power and energy that's being unleashed into the world that's actually part of who you are. It's actually a part of who you are now that you're following Christ. He's saying that the same power that he created the world with is the same power that he's working in you with. Yeah, that's awesome, right? One person. Yes, the inner depths of all the things that are happening, the same power that he unleashes into the world is the same power that he's unleashing inside of you. So when you sit back and you're like, I just can't get enough, I can't just do it. Oh, like, oh, it's so much going on. That's why we cry sometimes in the presence of God. That's why we like, just can't stop. Like, we just kind of almost feel anxious about it. It's just, there's all this power of creation, all the power that God speaks into the world is literally being unleashed inside of us to be the new creations that he's calling us to be. And so we sit back and say, God, do what you will. It's good. It's good. You're good. And you're creating within me a new creation. And so, the, but really from there, let's be honest. After you read something like that, if he is going, if he began a good work, he is finishing it, right? So it's going somewhere. It's not like you're just done. He didn't call you perfect. He called you good. At one point in the Bible, he says, be perfect like my, like my father is perfect, right? So he creates this gap. Like you're good and there's perfection and there's this gap where we're moving to become more like Christ. And so really the question is, how do we do that? Right? How many, have you ever thought that, wondered that? Sometimes growing up in church, like I don't even know why we do this every single week, uh, but it you know, kind of makes sense. You know, it gives me routine or whatever, but sometimes I feel like I didn't understand that. And so when we think about this, we have to think, okay, what do we do next? What do we do next? And so at our church, what we do is we focus on six things. We focus on six things because we really think that's the way that you access uh, just the different things that are happening inside of you. There's a difference between taking a glass of water, throwing it on the ground, um, and then trying to drink it. It's a little bit difficult, right? Um, and you look weird while you're doing it. So, um, but it, Water in a glass is accessible, and so we drink it. It's these little buckets. And so we don't think that these are by any means little check marks to be like, okay, God, I'm good. I did the six things that Community Covenant asked me to do. But, but they're pathways to begin engaging with all that God is doing, if we're engaging with all this. So the first thing that we do, we talk about all the time, is number one is to meet Jesus, is to meet Jesus. It's a really great starting point. Meeting Jesus, if you have not at some point in your adult life or at some point in like early, like, or just maybe early college years, late high school years, intentionally decided to follow Jesus, you need to be clear on that. You need to make a decision. I'm going to be a follower of Christ. I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to be someone that worships the only true God, the man named Jesus. I need to make that decision at some point in me. And because you have to do something with the resurrection, you have to do something with it. And so this is Paul a little bit, in, a little bit later in Philippians, same book, Philippians chapter three, where he says, 
He talks about um, knowing and meeting Jesus. He says, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Isn't that like amazing sentence to say? Like everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Jesus. Like just so much there. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. What is, what is Paul saying the reward for salvation is? If you follow Christ, what is the reward? What do you get? Jesus. You get Jesus. He says, he says, I did that. I counted all his garbage so I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. He said, I'm no longer able to do the things. I can't get God's attention by being good. He said, my righteousness is simply through the good work, the good work of Jesus and having my faith in him. And so he continues on to, uh, into verse 9. Um, he says, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. So what is he saying? In Philippians 1, he's saying, hey, there's something about the creation, the power in creation, the energy in creation that gets released inside of you when you say yes to Jesus. So when you say yes to Jesus, the same power that God creates the world, and then he says here later, the same power that he raised him from the dead with gets unleashed inside of you. And so there's power in the midst of that. He says, that's what knowing Jesus is like. And what I love about that is this word garbage, total curse word in the first century. But we just translate it garbage because that's nicer. But he's saying, no, no, no. It's like whatever word that you want to just say is just worthless. This is just not even worth it anymore. That's what meeting Jesus is like. There's just, it's just separation between who you were and who God created you to be. It's this movement away from the things that used to fill your calendar are now things, different things are filling your calendar. The things that, we, that you used to think about, well, there's a difference between what you used to think about and what you do think about. So you just got to meet Jesus. You got to make a decision to say, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow him. I'm just going to wander into this, but I'm going to be a follower. And this is the date that I fought, began following him, or this is the month, or this is the year that I began to, my relationship with Jesus and began to see him work and change in my life. And so we think that's the best place to start, is to meet him. And if you haven't met him yet, man, I would love for you to make a decision to become a follower of Christ so that you can do and see and experience the things that he does in us. Man, I would love for you to start that up. And so the first thing to do is meet Jesus. The second thing that we talk about, okay, what do we do next? If you have the power being unleashed in us that really created the world, what do I do with that, right? First one, meet Jesus. Second one, get baptized. Get baptized. And baptism is a decision to publicly announce your new identity in Jesus. It's a public decision. I'm going to go public with my faith. I'm going to make a statement to say, I am not who I was anymore. I am now a follower of Christ. It's this massive announcement, a public thing, and it's actually a step of obedience. It's actually the first step of obedience for someone who's met Jesus. In your adult life, to make a public announcement that you are now a follower of Christ. That's what that next step is. 
Now, many of us, we, we kind of stumble on this idea. What about, baby, uh, what about baby baptism and all that sort of stuff? And we kind of go into that as you step into baptism and you want to get baptized. We, wanna, we tease that out. Um, but we don't baptize babies because we don't believe that babies can make that decision. And so when we read the New Testament, we, we see that babies uh, aren't making that decision yet, but the parents are raising them in that way. And then ultimately, at one point, we're praying and pleading that God would continue to work in them so that one day that they will move uh, into this ability to make this public decision and announcement to follow Jesus. And so the next step is baptism. And so how many of you have been baptized before? Yeah, maybe about yeah, 90% of us or so. If you haven't been, it's, it's really one of the first steps of becoming a follower of Christ. I mean, I would love to have you do that. We're doing another one in August. And we're really seeing a lot of momentum when it comes to people meeting Jesus. And we, we just want to continue to see that. But the next step after that is really baptism. So if you want to sign up for that today, you can at the Connections Desk. Or you can go online, actually, and, and just click on baptism. And um, you can register for that. But, but we want to see as many people make public announcements that they are following Christ. Because that's, that's a symbol of a life being changed by Christ. And so if our church exists to see lives changed by Christ, we want to see as many baptisms as we can as the, world, as the, as the word and as Christ begins to work in our hearts. So, so you have meet Jesus. Next one is get baptized. The third one is to take our growth track. Now, we don't have a new date for this yet, but we will in the next in the coming weeks. But we're going to take the growth track. And, and this is what John 3 uh, talks about. When he talks about taking the, uh, when it, not, but the Bible doesn't say take the growth track, but this is what we do when it comes to the growth track. Be like, some people are sitting here like, I'm interested in how he does this one. Um, this is what he says, joy is mine, and it is now complete. All right, this, so he, this, is, this is Jesus talking. It is now complete. He must be, oh, this is John talking, I'm sorry. Um, he must become greater, I must become less. So Jesus is now entering into the world. He says, my joy is mine, I'm, it's, everything is now complete. He must become greater, and I must become less. And so the growth track, what we're doing is we're helping you tease out what it's like to be a disciple of Jesus. We want to we teach you about what it's like to, to, to worship him. We want to talk to you about and teach you about what it's like to belong to a community of faith. We want to talk to you and, and teach you about what it's like to actually engage in mission um, when it comes to believing in Christ and where all of this moves. It overflows outside of us into becoming more and more like him and seeing work be done through him. So taking the growth track teaches you what it's like to be a disciple and how that gets carried out here at Community Covenant. And so if you're newer or if you're kind of like just trying to figure out who we are some more, this is a perfect spot for you. Taking the growth track is huge because we want to help everybody uh, become less so that Jesus becomes greater in their life. And so you want to take that growth track uh, to engage with that. Again, you can sign up for that or at least express interest in that. We'll be talking more about that in the coming weeks. Um, after, after that, number four is to join a group. How many are in a community group? Yeah, about 60% of us, because that's what we see every single time. And I'm just making that stat up right now. I, I can't do math that fast. Um, but every single, every single year, we see 60% of our, our church grow through community groups. Um, we've had that, up, that number up to 80%, but the big thing is that we see about 70% consistently go. It's, so it's like every week, every, so like one thing to have like register, the other week, like, like if you register and then never go, that's not a win, right? Like the fact that you guys are actually engaging in community group is a huge win, right? So you're actually doing that. And that's the major way that we grow and the major way that we get cared for here. 
A lot of times people say, well, I, I just want a meeting with the pastor. It's impossible for our staff to meet with every single one. There's about 800 people that come to church here every single month. Impossible for one person to do all of that. That's why you need to be connected to a smaller group of people that can know you and that can love you. And so you have to do that. You have to engage in some sort of a community group as we do that. So you definitely want to continue to, to take those steps. If you're not involved in one, get involved in one. It's good. Um, and, and the reason why we talk is this is Acts 2.46. Uh, as people are becoming more and more like Christ, you see them taking this step in Acts 2. Continually, continuing daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread. So this is what they're saying. They gather together in large group, and then they break bread from house to house. Right? That's simply when we do gatherings on Sunday, and then we go to house to house throughout the week. We're simply just trying to our best to live out the, the example of Jesus in the early church. Um, they went from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. It, it, don't you love that emotion that's tagged into that verse? It's almost like when the church gets together and just is the church and hangs out with each other and, and begins to, to t- teach other people about who Christ is and, and they begin to grow, there's this gladness that's there. Be, a lot of us, will, we'll go from church to church throughout our life. We won't, maybe you'll, you'll make a 40-year run here and that's awesome. But you might at some point find yourself in another church. And just the biggest important thing, I think, when you begin to engage in that church is, is there a glad and simple heart? Is there a gladness there? If there's not a gladness there, then there's something going on. And so that's one of the, the coolest things I love about our church is that you just bump into joy all the time. Sometimes I'm like, hey, can you not be just so joyful? I mean, it's just, it's 8.30 in the morning. Like, just don't be so glad all the time. No, but there's a gladness here. There's a simplicity. There's like a smile. You kind of come in, there's just a smile. You can't always put words to that, but I hear it in your voice. I hear it in your stories. And so there's just a gladness there. It's something that we love to pursue. We love to engage in. There's joy. There's simplicity uh, there's, there's love. And so we want to engage in that in a community group of some sort. And so definitely bump into that. Next one, you want to join a serving team. You want to join a serving team. Again, we have about 50% of our church in a serving team. There's many different ways to serve here. Um, and then when you take the growth track, you actually can bump into what your gifts are. But this is what First Peter talks about. Peter will talk about this when he's teaching the church um, all over. The, he's teaching the whole, the whole church, actually, when he says this. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Don't you love when the Bible's just like black and white? Like, I don't have to tease that one out. Like, I don't have to read this and be like, I wonder what he means by like, serve one another. Like, what do you think he means by that? Like, what does the Greek say? Like, can we, like, can we just tease that? Can we pray about that a little bit? Like, no. Right here in 1 Peter 4, he says, every one of you, every single one of you here has a spiritual gift. Every one of you has an ability that God has gifted to you so that you could participate in the restoration of all things so that you could serve others well. And so what is that for you? If you don't know that, that's what we want to help with when it comes to the growth track, but it's also something you should be exploring. Some of the ways that I explore that, and actually the reason I'm a pastor today is not because I just said, hey, I'm going to be a pastor. But I had a series of older men in my church that came up to me and just said to me, hey, you know what? I think you should consider because this. I think you should consider some sort of ministerial role because I continue to see you uh, serve and I continue to see you 
teach or I continue to... And they would, they would, they would pick out little bits and pieces. And so you can, can go to a community. That's why it's so important to be known by other people. They can go to and say, hey, you know, I'm seeing this in you. You do it through your spouse. Your spouse will be able to say, hey, I see this in you. Sometimes it's, I see this in you, right? But that's, that's I mean, we don't talk about that one. But that, that, that's the next series. That's the next series. Right, come to the next series. We'll talk about that one. But sometimes it's, hey, I see this in you. I think you should consider taking this step. And, and when it comes to spiritual gifts, knowing how God has gifted you in certain ways so that you can participate in the kingdom of God in a way that allows lives to change is important. It's important. We try to do that internally here at the church in different um, areas of the church. Like, I love, uh, like, right now we have, like, a group of people that love serving in the nursery. Like, how many churches have you go to? Like, I just love serving in the nursery. Yeah, Phyllis right here. She's like, I just love serving in the nursery. And we got, like, a group of people that love that. You know why I love that? Because you are holding a baby for someone who's growing and changing in Christ. Not because you're, we need some people in the nursery. Like, we, it's a crap job nobody likes. Go to the nursery. That's not what we're doing here. Like, no, I'm going to hold a baby because the only hour that a mom and dad might get to actually pursue the heart of God might be right now. And that's why we love it. When a kid, when, when, a, when someone gets down on their knee in front of a kid that's like seven or eight and just talks to them about a God that created them, you're not just spending time with the kids so that the adults can do the important thing. You're getting down on a knee and you're saying, I want them to know Jesus like I do. And so you're bumping into that. When you greet, you're welcoming the prodigal home. You're not just saying, like, okay, I gotta pass out the bulletin, because that's joyful, right? Like I gotta wear these dumb shirts that they're wearing, making me wear all of it the, all the time. Like, 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 well, if you think that one, stop serving in the greeting team. We don't want that happening. Just kidding. But when you, but when you greet, you're not just simply passing out a bulletin. You're welcoming the prodigal home. You're saying for the, for the first time or maybe the last time. This is someone's first time or last chance every single weekend. And you're saying, man, I'm going to be a part of that. When you go to the Hope Center, Someone could literally down, be down to their last $3 for the week, and you're providing them access to food. Like, it's not just you, like, oh, I've got to fill a volunteer role. No, but what we're trying to do is say every one of us has some sort of thing that they could offer to the restoration of all things. We've got to figure out what it is and get you serving it because the world is better when you're doing that. And so you have to serve. You've got to join a serving team. And so if you're growing in Christ... And you're trying to figure out, I got all the power and energy of creation and resurrection moving on without, within me, and it's got to come out or else I'm going to like combust spontaneously. What do I do? You got to say, all right, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to maneuver into this. I'm going to take this step. I, gotta, I have to uh, get baptized because that's what God asked me to do. I just got to make this public. I got to talk about what's going on inside of me. I got to take that step. I, gotta, I have to take the growth track because I have to explore this. I have to, uh, he's got to become greater. I have to become less. And I've got to figure out what that looks like. I've got to join a group because if I, the Bible teaches that if I'm better in community and it's not good that man should be alone. I've got to serve because I'm a part of this restoration of all things and I've got to find out where my gift is. I've got to find out how in the world I can use that when I go to work. But lastly, if you've done all of those, and you've got, we've got some super Christians in here, right? You're like, man, I joined a group. I'm on a serving team. 
took the growth track, got baptized even, what do I do? You pray for one. Pray for one. This you can't stop doing. You can't stop doing. It's literally the last thing that Jesus said to his followers in Matthew 28. He says this. He says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Again, he brings up this idea of baptism. He says, I want you to go make disciples of all people. You know the same power that's in you, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that he brought creation into the world with, that same one, he's gonna be faithful to complete it in you and he wants to use you to engage with other people to do the same thing. And so we're serving and as we serve, we're seeing uh, the kingdom of God come to earth and as we join in love and group together, we're seeing the kingdom of God come to earth but if it just comes in here and doesn't move through us into somebody else, we're missing the center of this entire thing. So he says, pray for one. Go and if you are one, you should be making one. Pray for one. Go and make a disciple. And it's one of the most invigorating things. If you did it for Easter, um, you, you would have known this. You would have felt this and understood this. Like, man, there's something about when the love of God comes into me and then flows through me. Say, like, God, give me one person to share your love with today. And you have this lens on. Like, when you go to the grocery store, who's my one? Who's my one? When I sit down at the, at the doctor's office, who's, is there someone here, God, that you need to, you just, I just need to share your love with today? When you move from place to place, when I go to work, instead of complaining, I'm going to pray for one. When I go to, the, when I go to sit on the sidelines of my kids' game, I'm, instead of like being mad about the fact that they're not getting enough playing time, I'm going to say, okay, God, who's your one? Who's your one? Instead of, instead of maneuvering through life and getting mad at every driver in front of us, I'm just kidding, there's no way to share your one. I'm just saying, don't get mad at people when you're driving. But you should pray for one. And so if you are that type of person, man, I've been like, okay, I'm going to take these steps, and I'm going to, I've met Jesus, I've gotten baptized, I've joined a group, I've done, you got to reproduce and multiply. That's what the Bible teaches. It says, Matthew, it says, go and make one. So if you are one, go and make one, because that's where it goes. And so today, what we want to do is we want to sign up for that. And what we're signing up for is that he who began a good work and is faithful to complete it within you, I'm not going to just sit on that, but I'm going to take steps to foster its growth. Don't just sit in a seat and be satisfied with that, but think to yourself, how am I growing and becoming more like Christ? If the power and energy of creation and resurrection is unleashed inside of me when I say yes to Jesus, it's got to go somewhere. And so how are you growing in that? How are you growing in that? This is like Paul, Philippians 1, this is like Paul saying, don't stop. Just don't stop. It started, don't stop. And so today, what is that for you? What we're going to do is we're going to take communion together today. And what we're, we're going to do is align ourselves with this whole idea. That God, you have complete, started a good work in me. You've started a good work in me. And that's not through my good works, it's through your good work. And so we're going to remember that together as a church. We're going to see that the Lord continues to, to maneuver through us. And so um, I'm going to pray, but be, uh, the ushers are going to come release you by row. Um, and 
uh, you're going to come grab an element. Hold on to those. We'll take communion together as a church. Um, if you don't know Jesus today, I want you to decide to meet him. I want today to be that day. And the first thing that you can do is you can come up and grab communion with us. Because we, one thing that we all know, one thing that we all have this understanding with is that we're all unified and together underneath the name of Jesus. So I want you to come up and grab that. Make that your first step to becoming a follower of Christ today.